Episode 001 of Reboots is sponsored by The Print Company, owned by our featured guest, Arthur Green, and by Beauty's Boutique. Arthur can custom design anything, from specialty shirts that go well beyond the typical graphic tee to trade show displays and all kinds of swag. Arthur's clients are quite the diverse bunch. Bands, churches, real estate companies, pharmacies, and the hospitality industry. Arthur's beautiful bride, Bevan, is quite the entrepreneur in her own right. Check out the Facebook pages for Beauty's Boutique and the print company linked in the show notes. You are gonna dig their styles. Hey there, you're dialed into Reboots, featuring stories about people who have been forced to start over, either through their own missteps or through no fault of their own. All walks of life, anonymous or named, high profile or low down. Stories with heart, soul, and grit. Because knowing and sharing our stories is essential for living a life of joy, experiencing healthy relationships, and impacting the world around us in a positive way. Now, here's your host, Tracy Winchell. Our very first Reboots story features my friend Arthur Green, longtime bass player for Living Sacrifice and owner of The Print Company. Not so coincidentally, Arthur helped inspire the Reboots concept and he designed a pretty awesome logo. Thanks, Arthur. We're going to talk to Arthur about what it's like to live his childhood dreams, only to have them come crashing down around him when his marriage ended. We're going to ask Arthur about what it was like for him to wrestle with God during the darkest days of his life, and we'll also talk about the blessings in Arthur's life today that would not exist but for the unexpected reboot of his entire life. Let's catch up with Arthur at his downtown Fort Smith office, where a giant mole created by the internet internationally known street artist Roa oversees Arthur's creative work. Thank you for helping me come up with this this concept of of reboots. This idea sort of began as we had lunch um, late last year, and you were telling me your story, and I could just see in your eyes how cathartic it was that you shared your story. And I think I even asked asked you what how you felt when you told your story, and we went into this whole thing about how healing it is for us to tell our stories and for others to hear our stories. Do you remember you remember that conversation a little bit? Uh, I, I do. I, uh, I do remember us sitting down at um, River City, Delhi, yeah. and um, you were telling me about this idea you had, and, and somehow the word reboot came up, and and um, maybe, maybe we were referring to people's lives and and how we can go from uh, one one terrible tragedy of our lives into glor- a glorious part of our life, and and I think that maybe where that's where the word came from in, in rebooting our lives. Yeah. And so um, I thought it was amazing um, that we had that conversation because it just reminded me of my own life, and um, and so I, you know, I mean, I think that's kind of where the idea. Yeah. I was, I was excited about what you wanted to do, and I mean. 
I always get excited when somebody has a, a cool idea um, that no one else is kind of doing around here, especially, especially so. What better story to feature than the guy who helped me come up with this and and your journey where you had to do a massive reboot. And this one just happens to fall into the category through no fault of your own. There was not a lot of money and we didn't do a lot of things as family. Uh, we didn't just take off and go to Disney World or, you know, Branson for that matter. So our family didn't do a lot. So we, you know, we did what kids do. We dreamed. And that was, it was kind of what we had. We, we had our dreams. And so... I mean, I played on a bike and skateboarded like any other little kid, but uh, I think I spent a majority of my time drawing and dreaming of of uh, what I was going to be, what I was going to do, how I was going to get out of some of that, you know, because um, I didn't want to live that way forever. I knew that, you know, as even as a child, I didn't want to live in that environment forever. So I would draw pictures of myself playing music and um, you know, there'd be, I'd have long hair and I'd be playing guitar and there'd be these really large, huge amps behind me. And it was just, at the time when I look back, I can think back on those pictures and they're, they're just funny thinking about them. But, um, I mean, that's just, when I would draw those pictures, I would just imagine myself playing music in front of, you know, large crowds. And, and in my head, it was just, just an amazing concert. You know, when you're a kid, you can think of whatever you want. I mean, in your mind, you're always thinking of the, the most spectacular thing. So, so that's what I was dreaming, you know. And so, and I had no idea that it would one day uh, come true. That it would. So, was there a moment at some point when you were on stage on world tour and just were like, "That's this moment"? Definitely, I, de I definitely had the, many moments like that. You know, I never took that for granted. And, Let's let's talk about living sacrifice. There are a whole lot of people like me who who um, who don't understand much about metal. So <laughs> talk talk about your band, Living Sacrifice. So I, I, it's funny because I grew up listening to punk. I mean, I, I grew up on punk music. I would probably say the you know the only real metal records I had growing up were probably uh, Metallica and Iron Maiden. I mean, I was introduced to that stuff when I was like 14 years old um, so Living Sacrifice uh, it's funny because when I first saw Living Sacrifice I was not playing for the band and I was just a fan and I, I think I might have been 20 years old or something um, and I remember seeing them in this club uh, here in Fort Smith called Ravies and um, just an underground club and it's where I hung out you know when I was young and um, I saw the I saw Living Sacrifice play and I was blown away. I mean, I was like, these guys are amazing, you know. And they were playing this this the heaviest music I had probably seen in front of my you know playing live in front of me. So, so I was very intrigued. And I was already playing in a band um, at the time called Esoteris. I had thought to myself, it'd be so cool to play a show with this band, Living Sacrifice. And that just seemed sort of like a far reach to be playing, you know, guitar in this band. And so I didn't really think much of it. I mean, until one day the lead singer comes up and asks me to pray about being, you know, playing bass in the band, Living Sacrifice. And, and that was a pretty, um, 
that's a pretty humbling moment. And I talked to my wife about it and, you know, we had to, obviously some other things had to line up and, and, uh, and they, and, and that in itself is a whole story, uh, that, that God is, he's in control of certain things of our lives. And, um, you know, when you don't have the means to do something, and the, and God wants you to do that. The Lord wants you to do that thing. He gives you the means to do that thing. And and I and I can think back on that moment in my life and go, Good Lord, I, I you know, how are we going to do this? How am I how am I going to have the finances to move? I got to get out of a, a a lease that we have with our house. Um, we have to you know we have to move from Fayetteville to Little Rock, which doesn't seem like a big deal, but it's it is when you when you don't have the money. You know, and so, so a lot of things had to line up and, and, um, and they did. And again, that's, that's, that, that whole story in itself is, is, is a pretty crazy story. So I had one time I was, it's funny. I'm, dude, I'm, it's funny thinking about playing this band. I mean, you know, you, you were talking about the crash earlier and, and, uh, and we can come back to that. But I remember when I came back and moved back to Van Buren from that situation, um, I was working at Western Sizzlin because I need to get back on my feet. You know, the band was taking a huge hiatus and, um, I was, I was bussing tables and this, this kid walks into the restaurant and he recognizes me and he goes, you're the bass player for living sacrifice. And, and he says, I'll be back. And I'm just busting tables and I'm like, okay. So he runs home and he grabs his bass and brings it back to the restaurant and has me sign it. <laughs> and I'm like yeah, wearing an apron and I've got a bust. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, man, I'm nobody, dude. Like, yeah. I was staying at the house um I questioned God every every minute of the day uh, I mean when you have a relationship with someone you know my, my relationship with the Lord was very strong and and I treated treated it like a relationship you you would treat an individual that's in front of you and so I would question every minute like why because you know here is this this powerful being this this, you know, the, the master of the universe and, and you, you believe that he has the control or the power to, to make things happen or not make things happen. And, and all the while you kind of forget that like you're human and he's given you the freedom. You forget that in those moments. And so, you know, for me, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm being selfish and I'm thinking, Lord, you have the power to fix this. So why aren't you fixing this? And so in my mind, I, I just thought, well, if he's not going to fix this, then I don't want to be a part of a relationship with someone who doesn't want to help me out. He is the Lord in the good and the bad. And no matter what was happening in my life, that he still loved me, you know? And so, and, and I know that it's kind of hard to put that in words and how that means what that meant to me in that moment. 
but I can tell you that, you know, that, um, it's sort of like, I guess, seeing a fireworks show for the first time, mm-hmm. how exciting that can be. You know, it's a nice clear night, it's dark and boom, you see this, these, this crazy fireworks show going off and it's, it can be a beautiful thing and it's kind of, um, there's a lot of energy in it. And so I felt, I felt like there was a lot of energy the next day just to, to really start to, to, to understand him more on that, that, cause I, okay. So I'd given my life to the Lord and I understood who from reading and from praying and from living life with my friends and other, other believers who the Lord was, you know, you, you kind of get a sense of, okay, you know, God is, he sent his son Jesus to, you know, die for us. And we've been saved from all that stuff from our sin and the, and the crap that we've been in. But then there's the, that side of the Lord that no matter what has happened, because it's hard to, to think on a daily basis, like sometimes when you do, when things go bad, when you can't pay your rent or when you're having a bad relationship week or month or whatever, it's so easy to say, I'm done. I quit. You know, the Lord's not working here. I'm not working here. I just can't do this anymore. When you start to understand the sovereignty of the Lord, those things seem so minute in the grand scheme of the life, the picture of life. And it just becomes a lot easier to handle. And so when I, when I discovered that out of my conversation with, with this old pastor, um, this old man, he, he sort of brought that to light for me that, that, uh, that I didn't, I didn't have to, to blame, <laughs> I didn't have to sit around and blame the Lord for all this stuff. And, um, that, that he's still wanting to do all this cool stuff for me and still be the Lord of my life. And, um, and it goes so much deeper than that, of course. So there was this moment when you realized that God loved the bus boy, no (laughs) car, bad car, no house, living with your parents, (laughs) heavy drinking guy, that God loved that Arthur as much as he liked the no kidding rock star guy yeah you know that he was um that he was looking out for me even during those during that time um and and I guess for me the best way to and it's funny because the best way for me to to explain that would probably be to 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 refer to the movie Forrest Gump um and I, that's probably one reason I watched that movie a thousand times hmm. during that time in my life. Um, because I felt like, you know, I felt like that was, I felt like that movie and, and, and all those scenes and the, the times and the struggles he was going through, that was, I mean, that was me, you know I mean? And, and so, uh, you know, I, uh, yeah, I just, you kind of think ba- about that movie and, 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 and uh, here's here's this guy, you know, he's he loves this woman, and she's out doing all this crazy stuff, and he's living a good life, and 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 he doesn't 
care. I mean, he cares inside, but he just goes ahead and, and he lives life. And so, um, and he does amazing things, you know, throughout that time that, uh, you know, and here, here she is and she's just living a chaotic, you know, crazy life. Anyways, I just, I just, um, yes, it's, it's as hard as it is to really explain. Yes. it It was to understand how much he was caring for me the same way as he was when I was having these amazing highs in my life and, you know, doing incredible things. And obviously all those things were because he allowed me to have, have those things. I mean, to, to live my dreams, to be able to play in front of thousands of people and to do what I love to do um, and do it with my best friends. So, so were you Forrest in the movie or was God Forrest in the movie? And then at 999 time, the time you watched that is, is that where it changed? <laughs> that's inter- That's, <laughs> that's pretty interesting. I, I had never really thought of it that way. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to think about that again when I'm watching that to really, because that that's a pretty interesting take on that. I just never really thought about it that way. So you watched Forrest Gump a thousand times. You talked to the pastor. Your your look, your view on, about your relationship with God begins to turn. You wake up the next morning after seeing light in the darkness in what you call the form of, of fireworks. Did you make a decision that morning, I'm going to do things differently from here on out? And if so, what was that? You know, when you're touring a lot and you're out living life and... Um, you're living your dreams. Sometimes uh, life can take a hold of you and, and you forget. You can sometimes forget who you are. And so um, it was easy for it, it. There were many days I'd go without praying. I'd go without reading, you know, the Bible, which I was very I loved to do. I mean, it was it was um, part of the relationship and. It helps you understand who you are and who the Lord is to you and, and how much, you know, what that relationship is. And so it, when you're touring and you're busy, you forget to do that sometimes. And so, so I just, I didn't do that, you know? Um, so whenever, whenever he, that next day when I woke up, I made, I made it a goal again to become the person I was you know, before I quit reading, before I quit praying. And, um, so I started reading and praying again and, um, and it became meaningful to me again. Um, it it became like living poetry, you know, and, and, um, and there will be people who understand what that means, uh, to them when you're reading the word and it becomes sort of a living thing to you. And so that's kind of how, I handled that again. Um, and so it was kind of like life was breathed into me again. Um, you know, just fresh. It felt fresh again. Wow. So what good in your life today exists right now that you just absolutely 
wouldn't have had but for that that darkness in your life? Well, so, you know, we the man took a hiatus. I went through a divorce, lost a lot of things in my life. And um, when I kind of came back to the understanding of what I just, I needed to do. I, um, you know, the Lord, he, he really, he really kind of, he, he gives you more back than what you deserve. And so, so that, that happened to me where I felt like I was getting a lot more back than what I deserved. And, and at the time it was hard for me, you know, back then it was hard for me to see it that way. I just thought, um, I didn't deserve anything, and it, it, it really sort of took part of my manhood away, I guess, in the sense that I, I felt like sort of part of that was taken away from me, and and um, and I know that other men who have experienced that will know what I'm talking about, and. Um, and so I, I uh, had met my wife, my my my, uh, my wife now, Bevan. Um, so she, I know that I, without the Lord, she wouldn't be in my life. Um, she definitely is an example of what love is and uh, un- unconditional love. Because I have no idea how she put up with me in the beginning of a relationship. Um, because I was still carrying a lot of baggage. Um, and I, and I was carrying a large chip on my shoulder and, and I didn't want anyone to be close to me. I didn't want anyone to really know me because, you know, I I didn't want to take, take my money or take, take my emotions and play with them. I didn't want, I just didn't want anybody toying with me. And so it was hard for her to get close to me. I, I, I just didn't allow it very much. But she loved me anyways. And just one day, you know, it clicked. And, and I, she, the love that she continued to show me just sort of like was like a, a doorbell. It was just like, hello, <laughs> someone's at the door. And so I just woke up one day and was like, what am I doing? You know? And so, um, her continuous faithfulness in, in loving me and showing that to me and, and, and and people who know her know that that's exactly how she is. And she does not, um, she doesn't steer away from that ever, hardly ever. I mean, she, people who know her know that that's she's a very consistent person and nice and and loving and i almost thought this this girl is not real there's no way someone is this nice you know having gone through what i'd gone through i just thought she was being fake to she needed she wanted something from me you know and so and so you know here we are now and um we have two kids together and um, I know she loves me because she puts up with me and she's been there through all my baggage and, and trying to heal from that baggage. And so, uh, so I have that. And then now the band is back together again and we, uh, you know, we, we play some awesome, some amazing shows together and, 
I think that what's cool about what we're doing now as a band is sort of like what we did when we were young and, and, and playing for the love of music because um, we don't for me at least I could care less sometimes if I make any money on the show I just want to play with my friends and I want to have a, a fun show and, and just play the best of my ability but um, and play some metal and so so because so when you're up there playing there's just it's an awesome release uh so that you know there's those things um you know i have a house and car, you know i have roof over my head and a lot of food in the fridge and my business is thriving um my print business is thriving more than it ever has um and so you know there's there's a lot to be thankful for and and I, and I just see life a lot differently than even when I gave my life to the Lord at 21. It, it's, it's even a lot more different than how I viewed it then. Um, you know, as much as music means to me and, and art and life, I just want my, my sons to live their dreams now. And, and, um, and I, I want to try to light the fire for that and, and keep it, keep it fanning those flames for them. Um, I know they're young still. I mean, I have a 15 year old and, and he's going to try to go out and figure out what he wants to do in life. And we talk about that often. And so, um, I really want my, this time right now I'm spending more trying to help them than I am doing anything for my, myself in that, in regards to my dreams. So, so that, I mean, and, and then whatever comes after that, I'm, you know, I'll be, I'll live and be an old man and sit on my porch and drink coffee and maybe have some land and guitar, and guitar in my hand, maybe ride a horse around the farm or something. I don't know. <laughs> Thanks for your story, Arthur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so grateful for Arthur's willingness to walk us through some dark days in his life so that we might find encouragement and hope, even in the midst of overwhelming sorrow. Arthur tells us the critically acclaimed The Infinite Order album is a reflection of those dark days. A special thanks to Living Sacrifice for giving us permission to use three of Arthur's favorite cuts from the record, Love Forgives, They Were One, and The Reckoning. Now, if you're like me, it's a little tough to interpret heavy metal lyrics, but the words to every single cut on that album are touching. Lyric links to the three songs that we used, they're in the show notes. The beauty in the words to these songs, inspired by immeasurable pain, confirms what I believe— That knowing and sharing our stories is essential for living a life of joy, experiencing healthy relationships, and impacting the world around us in a positive way. Thank you so much for taking time to listen. I'm Tracy Winchell, and we'll see you next time. We'd love to hear your reboot story privately on our StoryWorks blog or as a guest on an upcoming podcast. And we appreciate your feedback, either in the iTunes store or by way of email. Drop us a line, reboots at winchellstoryworks.com. 
or on our website, winchellstoryworks.com.